Well, good morning again. It is so good to be back here in Waldorf, Maryland, among friends and family, and uh, for me, fellow Redskin fans. I don't know if that matters to you at all. I live in a persecuted city uh, with people who've never won a championship, so it's hard. We're trying to hire an Eagles passer. That's what we're doing now. Um, Jonathan and I are going to do something a little, di- little bit different today for you. For us, this is normal. We can actually finish each other's sentences, so you'll, you'll bear with us today. But we always team preach at Urban Hope. We do it uh, primarily because we want to help train guys from the community how to teach and how to preach. We did that at the beginning, but gotten to the point where our congregation enjoys it a lot more. It's almost like watching a talk show, uh, two people talking. But we get into God's Word and we'll challenge you. And uh, Jonathan is a guy who grew up in our community. I had the privilege of meeting him when he was 12 years old. Uh, First thing I knew about Jonathan is he was a liar because he lied to get into our teen program as a 12-year-old. But God forgives liars, and God has grace, and God has worked in Jonathan's life in an amazing way. I've seen him grow up. I've been there uh, through a lot of challenges in his life, as many of you were here. So, Jonathan, if I say anything today about you Everybody here could say the same thing. I've already met people who changed my diapers, who babysat me, who told me I was going the wrong direction and needed to change. That's what I did in Jonathan's life as he grew up. He's now 20-something. 26. 26. So we've been together for quite a long time, and I've seen God work in his his life in amazing ways. It's a real privilege and joy to work with him. He's one of our teaching pastors at the church there. We have about eight different men that teach. We uh, share the responsibility of teaching. So on a, any given Sunday, you got two guys that are sharing God's word uh, together, and that's what we're going to do here today. So it's a privilege to work with Jonathan. I could tell you a lot more stories about him, but I'll save that. But well, we won't do that today. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I met Jason uh, a long time ago, uh, 12 years old. He was uh, about 23, had a lot more hair. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so I had, I had a it – was, it was a privilege – to have him there, and I'm glad you guys shared him because it, it, he's impacted a lot of people um, in our community, uh, just, just the way he's been living out, uh, you know, his life for Christ. But, yeah, so uh, a lot more here, but, you know, when, you, when you're in a stressful place, you know, kind of things go really quick away, you know. So, Jason's, that's what happens when you raise a bunch of kids in the hood, you know. <laughs> and that's what we're here to talk about today, living on mission in your hood. For those of you who don't understand that slang or that vernacular, we took the end of the word neighborhood. We live in the hood, which that's what people affectionately call our community. North Philadelphia, we're not too far from Temple University in a neighborhood that's predominantly Puerto Rican and Dominican. I absolutely love our community. I love growing up here in Southern Maryland, but I'll have to tell you, I love Philadelphia. I love North Philly, and I love what God is doing in our church and in the community there. Uh, we came in and started a church about eight years ago now. We were there. We've been there for 15 years. I've seen God do incredible things in transforming lives. The church that's meeting there this morning is made up primarily of people who are brand new in their faith in Christ. It's not a church that we're attracting people from other churches, but are seeing God move in people's lives in incredible ways where he's bringing kids in who are sharing Christ with their parents, teenagers who are drawing their parents to faith. We've seen God just get so many people right in their relationship with him, where there's been almost 12 marriages in the past eight years. Uh, Jonathan and his wife, you'll meet her later on today. They have two sons. It's been a privilege to be part of their life and their marriage. But God's doing incredible things, and we would love to come and share that with others. But that's not why we're here. We're here because I believe God has a specific message he wants you to hear today. 
And I believe the things that we're seeing, the things that God's doing there, God is not any different here in Southern Maryland. And we love where we're at because it's, it's easy for us sometimes to see the needs of people. We live in a neighborhood that has a lot of challenges with poverty, a lot of drugs, a lot of addiction, a lot of things where you'd say these people are at the end of their rope. And it's easy sometimes, I think, for us to see these people need Jesus Christ. But the, the dynamic is that their heart is just as far from Christ as the people who live here in Southern Maryland who don't know Christ. And I think we're going to bring that out today. We kind of want to just challenge you and encourage you to reach people all the more if you are. I think challenge and encourage you if you're not engaged in reaching out to others, that that's why God has you here, and that's why he's placed you on this earth. We'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. God, I pray that our hearts will be in tune with yours, Lord, that our minds uh, would have the words that we want to say, Lord, but that they are for your glory and that they are from your word. God, I pray that uh, right now, Lord, uh, what we do and say will be for your glory. Let us be uh, just glorifying you and speaking truth in your behalf. God, I pray this all in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We serve an awesome God, and I believe there's no better place to start. We're asking God to change our perspective on people around us that don't know him. The best place to start is with Jesus' example. I love Jesus, and I know we're here because we love Jesus. Well, you'll hear, I hope, our passion for Jesus today. I'm not an evangelist, neither is Jonathan. None of us have that wiring, but we love Jesus Christ. Because of that, we do what we do. For me, what helps is looking at the way Jesus saw people. A simple passage that does that, if you turn there with us this morning, is Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. It's a brief snapshot in the life and ministry of Jesus that shows us the way that he would see people. For me, this has transformed the way I look at people in my neighborhood, the way I look at people even when I'm traveling, the way I look at people that I work with. I believe Jesus wants to challenge us in the way we see others. We would love to see you. Oh, so sorry. why do we do this? Yeah, we're old school. We use, like, stands for stuff. We don't, I don't know what this, this is different. All right, cool. We're a lot more comfortable behind a, a big podium. <laughs> Matthew 9, 35 to 38. If you're there, say amen. All right, I, we can hear some chatter this morning, too. I don't know if you guys talk in this church, but you can say amen. You can talk back. We're from a Puerto Rican community, so I, I don't, I'm not from Southern Maryland necessarily anymore. So we're used to kind of, it's okay if you talk, you got questions, you can say amen. You can um, talk back with us today. The Word of God, Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness, Here's what I want you to see. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Simple passage. We've read it a hundred times before. What is Jesus trying to communicate to his disciples? What's he trying to communicate to us in the way that we see people? I think first you see an invitation from Jesus to live on mission. An invitation from him to look at people differently. 
first thing that he makes a point of saying here is he says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I believe Jesus had eyes not just to see the external challenges that people were facing. He didn't just see the problems. I mean, obviously they had issues and they had problems. If he came to my neighborhood in North Philadelphia, Jesus wouldn't just see there's a lot of single moms and they're struggling to make it. There's a lot of men who are alcoholics. There's a lot of people that are going to the corner to get drugs or selling drugs on the corner. I don't think he would just see that, but I think what Jesus would see is their heart and whether or not they knew God, whether or not they had a personal relationship with him. I think he's challenging us to see people differently. Every single person that we come in contact with has a need to know Jesus as their Savior. Every single person. I was challenged by that even yesterday, being here for a, a missions breakfast. You know, we're at a missions breakfast. We had an outside caterer that came in. It was awesome talking to one of the guys that's doing the catering. He's not part of the church here. You know, we're always looking for people and just, you, you got to see what's their need. Talked to this guy, found out he's not part of a church. He goes back and forth between Atlanta and here. He's like 50 years old. He doesn't know Jesus Christ. You know, and that, Jonathan and I both had a conversation with this guy and just said, man, this guy needs Jesus. We've got to see his need. We can't just see he's a successful professional. He's doing well in his business. I think often we can miss the people right in front of us. I can walk around my community and I can have a pretty callous heart. I can say, well, the reason that you're on the corner is because you didn't finish school. You didn't stick with it. You didn't get good grades, and now you're out here. You need to stop selling drugs. We don't go up to guys on the corner and tell them to stop selling drugs. It doesn't work. As we talk to them, we say, hey, what do you want to do with your life? Obviously, this isn't your future career plan. And do you know about Jesus? Have you, has anybody ever told you who Jesus is? We pray for guys that are on the corner. We see their real need for God. And I think Jesus is giving us an invitation in this passage to allow compassion to be the thing that leads us into evangelistic opportunities. Now, I'm naturally a person that does not care for other people. I don't know if you have that issue or that problem. I'm sufficient in myself. I don't need anybody else to help me. This thing called Facebook came along, and I avoid it like a plague. Because it, it has to do with personal interaction with others, which really isn't personal. It's extremely impersonal. And I don't want anything to do with others. I don't really care about other people. I, I, do, I got good grades in school. I played good soccer. I went to college. I've done all these things on my own. Why do I need other people? Why do I need to care about other people? That's me, naturally. I could care less about others. But what Jesus is saying is, you need to invite me to give you compassion, because as I begin to say, God, peel back my eyes to see the real needs of the people around me, all of a sudden, I, I get these emotions that I don't have as a, a guy that grew up outside of Washington, D.C. I mean, I'm passionate about football when it comes to the Redskins, but I'm not passionate about a lot of other things in life. But when I invite Jesus to give me eyes of compassion for others, all of a sudden, welling up within you is this desire that others might know him in the way that you know him. And it happens with any ordinary people that you come across. We've got some amazing people in our neighborhood from uh, a part of China that make our Chinese food. Uh, we have tons of Chinese stores on every corner in the inner city. That's what everybody eats for dinner all the time, Chinese food. And God has given us as a church a heart of compassion for those workers. 
you know, to recognize they need Jesus Christ. They're not just one more person making food for us. But as we pray, God, open our eyes to see the real needs of people around us. You will be floored at what you see and what God reveals to you, how you are surrounded with people that don't know Christ. There are people all over the place that don't know him, and the reason that we're there is because we're God's messenger. And as you'll see in this passage, we're his, his worker. I think the first invitation that Jesus gives us is to see people with eyes of compassion. Be afraid at what will happen if you begin to invite God to do that in your life. That's what happened to me when I moved to Philly. Just began to invite God, open my eyes to the, the needs of the people in our community. Open my eyes to the, the real things going on in their hearts. And I, I'm sold. That's where I want to be because there's so many people that are in need. And then God does that in any of our hearts, though, wherever we live. We're surrounded by people that don't see him, that don't know him, that don't have a relationship with him in the way that we do. And I think it begins by saying, Jesus, help me to just see the real needs of people and not look past them or not dismiss them because of things on the outside. But there's a second thing, Jonathan, I'll let you take over. So uh, in, the, in the scripture, as we look at it, it says, first, you, you know, as, you know, God lets you see these needs, but second, on verse 38, he says, uh, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send forth his workers into the field. Um, what do we do after we see the need? After we see the need, Jesus tells us, pray. Um, it's, it's, it's really, this, this is, this to me is very, it's, it's real. This is it. Um, the reason why is because I have nothing within me that can help change that man's heart. There is nothing within me. I have no power, no authority over this person, but Jesus in me can help save this man. Jesus through me can help change this woman's life. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, you know, Jason, Jason's a very humble guy, but we, we see a lot of people come to Christ, uh, people who are unchurched, people who have not seen Christ in our neighborhood, a lot of people, a lot. And it's never what we can do for them. It is always what God, through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, has done and can do in transforming their lives. So I, I think this is, this is crucial here. We have to understand that after we see the need, we ask God, God, do something. Intervene. And I, I think uh, the follow-up about that, you guys know about Uber around here? So, so I think this is, I, I was talking to Jason, we were talking yesterday, and I was like, it's kind of like Uber. You know, once you ask God, God, provide this need. You know, be in the midst of this. I don't understand uh, how to help this person, but I know that you can because we all were saved by that same grace. I think like Uber, you know, since you're the closest person nearby, your, your phone goes off and says, you know, you'll, you'll be the person to go out and, and be a part of this. And that's where, we get, that's where we get to be a part. That's where we get to be, allow ourselves to be used by Christ, to be a part of the work that he is doing for, you know, in furthering his kingdom. And so the second, second point is pray. Pray understanding that there is nothing you can do but be a tool for Christ. And pray, Lord, give me the strength, give me the words, give me the wisdom 
if you want me to be a part of this. Uh, that's, it's, it's important to understand that. Uh, and I, and the, reason, the reason this is so it close, it hits me home because I've had the, uh, you know, the, the problem in the past where I thought that I can help change someone. And uh, that fails all the time. Every single time I do anything my, out of my own strength, it does not work. Um, but the Lord has taught me that it is nothing that I can do but everything through him that I'm able to do. And I think you see in that point, too, what Jesus is asking them to do is to pray for workers. So in a sense, Jesus is saying, just like I saved you, I'm the only one that can transform your heart to care for other people. I've had to find that in my life all the time. I have to say, God, first help me to see people, then help me to actually care to want to do something. And when God begins a work in your heart to move towards others and sharing Christ with them, there is no power that can stand against that. Because God activating the heart of a believer to share their faith is an, a beautiful thing. And we've seen people in our church, and I'm one of them, shy, quiet, introverted people transform because they just pray. They don't do anything. They don't say, well, let me go and share my faith. Let me go join Evangelism Explosion, if any of you remember that program we used to have here at the church. I never wanted to go on that program because you had to talk to other people which is not my strength. I, re I like to listen. I'm a really good listener. But as you pray, God, bring workers. In a sense, what you're saying is God changed my heart and helped me to become something that I'm not. We serve a, a God that's in the business of doing that. I mean, he saved us, but at the same time, you've got to recognize every, I think, development in our character as a believer is due to the fact that God is continuing to transform us and to change us especially when it comes to wanting to be a worker and sharing your faith with others. Because that's one of those things that we love to relegate to the realm of those that have the ability to talk to people and those that have the skills and those that have been trained. And what Jesus is saying is, no, I, I'm offering the invitation to all of you. And then on the part of those people, you see a willingness to become what they've just prayed for. In chapter 10, if we took time to read through it, these people who have had their eyes open to the needs of those around them, have prayed, God bring forth workers, become the very answer to their prayer. And I think we've got to continue to keep this passage in the forefront of our minds because the world that we live in has not changed. People in this day and age were much more aware of God than the people in our day and age. And there's a growing apathy to the things of God in our culture. And it's not... Our job as Christians to retreat and hold on to the territory that we have because we serve a God who sent forth workers 2,000 years ago and we serve a God that sends forth workers today. And it's not to join programs as we'll talk about. Programs are great things. We have many, many, many programs in our church. We always challenge our people, we want you to be involved in programs that help reach people, but where the money is at is your personal life. Are you taking the opportunities that God has put right in front of you? And I know we'll talk a little bit more about this, but Jonathan is a guy, he, he doesn't work for the church. I work for the church. He works in a company. Well, tell I, I work, work at uh, Horizon House, not Verizon, Horizon. And uh, we are a outpatient facility for the mentally ill. And uh, we work with uh, behavioral health and, uh, and disabilities. And so, yeah, so... I think Jason's getting ready to share how um, 
a lot of, so, so in the challenge of this, I find myself um, at work most of the time. You know, I work eight hour shifts, Monday through Friday. And one, one of just, just as, as we're bringing this along, it's just encouraging. Um, I, most of the people that I bring to church with me are, are coworkers. We've had several coworkers at my job. You know, I, I've have several coworkers at my job who I've talked to, and and this has just become understanding. This is is who I am, you know. And so I go, I go everywhere I go, is to share Christ. So, and there's a lot of things, and this is our list. So this is a man-made list that we're about to give you. I think you're supposed to mention that when you're preaching, but it's just things that we found in our own lives that keep us from becoming workers. These are simple things, but I believe they are here because they probably relate to you as well. So what keeps us from really becoming workers, as we've talked about in the passage? So our personal relationship with Jesus. Um, If our personal relationship with Jesus is slacking, um, well, if we lack a personal relationship with Jesus, we will be slacking in our outreach. You can't share a relationship with somebody else. You can't get them to see the love. You know what? Yeah, I'll give you an example. The other day I was talking at my job with a, a coworker of mine. And she's an atheist. And um, she goes, uh, my wife calls me and she sees my phone and says, my love. You know? And she goes, oh, that's so nice. That's your love calling. <laughs> um, so... So uh, she goes, oh, that's so nice. And, she, and I go, yeah. Um, she, I, I tell her, that's my girl. You know, that's my girl. I love her. You know, so I pick up the phone. Hey, baby. And I talk to her. And uh, she, goes, she goes, wow, that's, that's amazing, you know. And I go, and, and we're talking. And she shares, like, I don't have a relationship like that with my husband. Um, and I just just thinking about it, I probably took your thing, but uh, like I, just thinking about it, it's like I can't share with someone else about an intimate relationship that I myself don't have. I can't share, so that's why we say, in our personal opinion, and what we've seen in our own lives, we see that if we're slacking, if we're lacking our walk with Christ, then we're going to be slacking in how we te- we teach others about our relationship with Christ. If we're, if we're lacking in, 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 in intimacy with Christ, then we're going to be lacking in, in being able to express that to other people. You can't tell someone else, oh, I love my wife and show it, unless you really love your wife and have that love for her. And so, so that's point one. You know, if we're, if we're lacking uh, a relationship with Christ, um, you're not, you're not going to be able to share that. Uh, I want to share a story with you. Um, there was, there was a time in my life where I had walked away from God, and this is after Jason had invested so much time, and he started losing hair because of it. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm, that's not my fault, actually. Count that's, him, man. If you can't count him, I'm not that's that That's in the ball, DNA man. kind of thing. I won't say where it comes from, but, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I, was, I was lacking. Um, I had walked away from God, and there was, there was a friend of mine that during the time that, you know, Jason was, you know, teaching me and stuff like this, I, was, I had this love, you know, your first love when you first come to Christ. And, and I, was, I was very passionate about it. Jason, you know, said, you know what, start your own house church. And he was coming to our house church, and it was amazing. Um, and so I fell off the wagon. 
David Chanel later came on, and um, he, he hadn't accepted Christ, and he was saying to me, he was like, well, how is it, you know, tell me, tell me about Jesus. And I go, you know what, right now you're talking to the wrong guy. Go talk to somebody else about it. Um, he'll, he'll say, oh, but, but um, how can you say you love this God, but here you are now. You said this is the greatest thing in your life, and here you are, you're not even wanting to talk to me about him anymore. And he was very thirsty. He was very thirsty for the Lord. And, um, but, but here I had some problems, and I, I was not in the Word, and I was not in prayer, so I did not have strength to share truth. I was believing a lie. That's what happens. When you're not living in truth, you're living in a lie. The true care and love that, pe- that, that attracts people to Christ is our personal relationship with Christ. I have coworkers of mine and I see other believers and I say, how you doing brother? And I talk to them and I ask people at my job, hey, can I pray for you? And people around, people are atheists. This is, I, the lady who's an atheist said, she said, I like how you, how you live your life. You should be a Buddhist. <laughs> She's like, you care so much. And I go, no, outside of this, you don't want to know the man that I was becoming. Outside of who I am today, the man I was, you, don't, you will not be working here. We'll be waiting for you to get out of work to rob you. Because that's the kind of, you know, heart that our community brews sometimes, you know. I said, I said to her, look, it is, it is because of Christ, you know. And, I, and that's, it was a very strong, you could be praying for her. But it's a very strong conversation I've been having. And, and as we think about this, it's, it's our personal relationship. It's because today... I'm able to have a relationship with Jesus. It's because today I'm in prayer that I can share Christ with this woman at work. I've shared Christ with coworkers, and they're coming. To, they, two coworkers have come to Christ. One was there, and, and, and he fell off. But it, God is not calling you to change your day-to-day thing. He's saying, be who you are in me everywhere you go. Our second... Uh, uh, thing is that you know where we find the problem, and I kind of shared about it is priorities. Um, where are priorities at? Um, whenever I put things before God, whenever I I see things that to be more important than Christ, I always slack as well. Um, I, I've, I've had times where I just feel like I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm working. I go home and I hang out with my wife and my kids. And then the weekend comes and we're washing clothes and we're doing all these things. And, you know, and I'm watching the kids and I'm helping out. She helps out with young lads and all these things. You know, we're, we're always busy, 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 busy. But the truth is that I have time everywhere I'm at. In the laundromat when we're washing clothes, I share Christ with one of the, uh, he's, he's a uh, Buddhist. Uh, no, he, yeah, he's a Buddhist. Uh, Korean, he's from Korea, and he was, he was, uh, you know, I, he's not fully accepted, you know, he's not accepted, it, but I get to talk to him and, and love on him, because uh, that's what Christ did for me, you know, so we're not always too busy, we're, we're, at, there's times when we're at Walmart and we see the lady at the cashier, or we're at Starbucks when we're getting our, you know, decaf for some reason, um, but, but we're never, we should never be too busy to do the Lord's work. 
and that can happen everywhere we are. Everywhere. That 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 means here, right right outside of here. That means that means yeah, Walmart, Starbucks, wherever you go. Sam's Club. You guys have Sam's Club? The Lord can do the work. And it's him through you. Just just a reminder. Another thing that keeps us and me often from wanting to engage with other people and sharing Christ is my own personality. Um, Now, I grew up, I didn't talk to anybody here. I think a lot of you guys talk to me all the time and I listen, but really, I just didn't have a need to talk to others. I think my goal in life was kind of to be the opposite of my father who talks to people and enjoys talking to people. My goal was, okay, church is over at 1215, we're out of here. You know, he would stay and talk to people the whole afternoon. I want to just get home and read a book or watch a Redskins game or something like that. And often I would use my personality as an excuse. It's like, God, I'm an introvert. You made me that way. I don't need to talk to people. That's somebody else's job. Then you read stories about guys like Moses in the Bible, and the, the list kind of goes on and on and on of people who made excuses and didn't realize that if God does a work in your heart, that you're better equipped than even the greatest talker or the greatest extrovert. I think that's what I've had to do in my life is invite God to just invade my own personality and invade some of those spaces that I don't want to talk about. You know, I don't really, I, I don't have, it's not easy for me even to go up and talk to people on the streets. It's still a challenge, but the more I do it, I always tell people the more addicted I get to it, you know, in a good way. Addicted to the fact that as I open my mouth, God gives opportunity. And as I trust him with the words that are coming out and the way even that they're being formed and the things that I'm going to say back, because that's the hardest part of a conversation. For me, it's easy to start it, but I don't know where to go after that. But as I trust him with the conversation, he does incredible things. And I found this at even when you walk into like a convenience store where we are, or even on our trips when we travel. You, you talk to somebody, you get to know their name, you begin to pry into their life and ask them about themselves. God just gives opportunities all over the place. You know how many waitresses we've talked to when we go to a restaurant to eat and said, hey, how can I pray for you? We follow the example of our uh, mentor up there, Ed Lewis. He's a guy that we get to work under. But he prays for people all the time in restaurants. And we've done that. And you find just these incredible stories of pain and difficulty that they're going through. Now, that never would have happened if I just left a nice tip and left. But simply saying, hey, what's your name? And we're about to pray. Can we pray for you? And I've seen time after time people open up. And up there, we'll go to the same restaurant. We have some great places that are really inexpensive for breakfast. We'll go there all the time, and we'll begin to talk to people and see God work through it. But too many of us use our personality as an excuse. I'm not an outgoing person. I don't talk. I'm shy. I'm quiet. Well, get over yourself, all right? Get over it. Just try. Because when you do it, you'll enjoy it. And you'll go through about five, pains, five years of pain and anguish because you just don't want to keep talking But when you open your mouth, it's amazing what God can do through it. Some of you have so much to offer to the people around you, and you're selling yourself short. And in fact, you're selling our Savior short. Because he's done a work in your life, and he wants to use you in the lives of others. So stop using your personality as an excuse. Yes, there are introverts in the world. And there are shy, and there are quiet people. But it doesn't mean that you don't have something to offer. Because when the God of the universe has done a work in your heart... The God of the universe wants others to know about that, and he wants you to open your mouth. And there's no other way I've found to really share the gospel with people. All over scripture, I've tried to find that verse where it says you don't have to say anything, and you don't have to bring it up. But all over the place, it keeps saying, like, they heard because somebody told them. You know, and communication is, is key. 
So get over your own personality. And we do that in Philly. That's how we talk. We say, get over yourself, all right? So I know that's not, not kind and caring as the way I should be towards fellow introverts. But get over it. Just try it. You'll see. You'll be amazed at what God can do. We already talked about this last one. We need to move on to our last point. Often we lack compassion. And I think we've said in the passage, Jesus invites us to see people differently and to ask him to change us. One of the things we share every week in our church, we say, so what? Which is based off of, if you're familiar with Lon Solomon, he does that in all of his messages. So on the count of three, I want you just to say as loud as you can, so what? All right, one, two, three. So what? Thank you. So what? Where do we go from here? One of the things we share with every group that comes through Urban Hope is this passage and an acronym that I think is helpful. Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. The incredible truth in that passage is that Jesus made them fishers of men. Amen? They were not. They were not able. They were not capable. They had no abilities to offer to him. But he said, I will make you into something that you are not. And as an introvert, that's a promise I can take to the bank. Because he'll make me somebody I'm not. We share this goofy acronym, and this is where we'll end today. Fish, because that's what it says. Go fish. So if you're like me and you have no ability to talk to people, I'm just kind of starting with a baseline here, working up from there. First thing you need to do as a believer is be friendly. Be friendly everywhere you go. Say hi to people. Be one of the most caring people that's in your workplace. Just allow God to flow through you. Be friendly. Too many Christians have this hard exterior, and we don't come across as people that smile. I had to practice smiling in the mirror. I'm not even smiling right now. I apologize. It just doesn't come natural. But practice smiling. Practice being friendly. That's the way I think Jesus would want us to live. We tell that to every group at Urban Hope. Be friendly. You be the one to initiate conversations with others. It's, it's simple. As you're at work, talk to your coworkers about their life and their families. Maybe you've done that many, many times over. With the neighbors that you don't know, initiate conversations. Um, I, I, let me just share something about the initiating thing. It's, it's sometimes the scariest thing to do at first, but after a while, you just become that guy at work or wherever you are, they go, he's a Christian guy. You know, if you want somebody to pray for you, he'll pray. You know, so don't be afraid. Like the, the first time, it's like the scariest thing. But once they, they, you establish, like, this is who I am, it just becomes so much easier. And, and you just get to be a part of, the, you know, what, what God is doing. And that's, that's, that's what we live for, you know. We, we no longer live for ourselves. We live for, for, for him who who offered his life for us. So, yeah, it's just, one, uh, for initiating, I think it's the scariest thing at first, but after it's done, it's just God uses it. And you know what? You know how they say gossip spreads so quick and, you know, within the office? Once you pray for somebody, it's, it's crazy how, or at least where I'm at, you know, at my job, like everybody knows that from praying for one person, I prayed in public and I prayed in front of coworkers, and it just everybody knew that they can come to prayer to me um, you know, to talk about something that they wanted me to pray for, you know. And, yeah, just. Our last two points, as you're talking to somebody, again, the introvert's guide to evangelism, ask them their story. Get, get their background. All of us have a story of where we grew up and the life experiences that we've gone through. 
The guy we were talking to yesterday that was at the breakfast talked about how he grew up here. He went to McDonough High School. You know, he's single. He's 50 years old. He's not married. He works in a business with his mom. Got to know some of his background. And as you hear people's stories, you'll begin to see where God has been working in their life. And God has been perhaps trying to reach out to them, trying to use even the pain that they've gone through to where you get to the final point of giving them hope that Jesus is the answer. People need to know that we're followers of Jesus. Don't just use the word God. That works, you can share about Islam with people and just use the word God. That's, that's an issue, that's a problem. I think we found in our neighborhood, they need to know we're followers of Jesus Christ. They need to know that Jesus has transformed our lives and we share it in simple ways, whether we do, we, we share verses with guys on the street. We'll share about our personal testimony, but I want them to know at the end of a conversation that I'm a follower of Jesus, that Jesus has transformed my life. We have something for them to get. We have something to offer. So don't be afraid to begin those kind of conversations. I know our time has come to a close today, but our encouragement and our challenge for you is to fish where you are. You don't need to go join a program, maybe you do. I'm a pastor at a church, so I understand the need for people to get involved in the programs that we accomplish. But I know your pastors would be just enthusiastic about you going to your workplace this week, going to your neighborhood this week, running to the people that you come across and just saying, God, let me see them the way you see them. Let me have a heart to be a worker and begin to open my mouth so that I might share about who you are. It's simple. Even an introvert can do it, so I'm sure you can too. Lord God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your incredible heart for us. God, you left heaven to come down, to die for us, to offer us life. God, what an incredible offer. And it doesn't end there. You gave us eternal life with you. You've forgiven us of our sins. God, you've given us the privilege of helping others come into that relationship. And you've given us the power through your spirit that lives will be transformed. So God, give us the ability just to open our mouths because you're the one doing the rest of the work. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Shall we thank these gentlemen?